I'm Robbie McDonald. And I'm Jordan Lee. We're two writers who've been friends for 15 years. Recently, we both discovered we have the shared experience of figuring out we have ADHD in midlife. Holy Shit, I Have ADHD is a platform for adults discovering their neurodivergence, as well as a way to spread awareness of ADHD. This is a podcast about ADHD, hosted by two people with ADHD. While each episode has a general theme, our meandering trains of thought mean we often cover several other themes in the process. We are not experts, simply two people sharing their experiences of discovering their ADHD in midlife. If you suspect you or someone you know may have ADHD, speaking to a medical professional should be part of your discovery journey. Outstanding. So yes, you caught me drifting over to Twitter because as you and most folks in the world know, um, Facebook and Instagram are down. And I haven't used Facebook since 2014 except for work. (laughs) Um, but it's just interesting to watch kind of how that's all playing out and how Twitter has just been like totally embracing that and making light of it. But totally. it's also, and as Waldo kind of pointed to this this morning with some of his family back home in El Salvador, that's how they communicate mm-hmm. rather than, you know, having to bear long distance charges and whatnot. So that sucks. Like, yep. um, you know, people can't get on there and spew conspiracy theories, but there are people that use WhatsApp kind of like a phone company and that um is not cool whatever yep. that whatever's going on there so yeah i mean i'm quite privileged in the sense that for me i'm kind of like ah eh, whatever I don't, I don't care about like using facebook but um mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who uh who aren't going to be very i don't know i don't know what the word is it's, it's impacting people in in ways that we pro- i can't really quite grasp like it's kind of um abstract in a way yeah mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah, no, totally. I mean, that's, you know, it, it's just like anything else where on on the face of it, if you ask me tomorrow, like, is Facebook going down? Like, let's let's say that, that tomorrow morning we knew that we were going to wake up and Facebook would be gone forever, just fucking mm-hmm. wiped off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, would that be a net good? I would have to say yes. But yeah. there would, yeah, there, there's going to be all sorts of, of horrible you know, growing pains in that mm-hmm. process and people having to kind of accommodate and find new ways to do whatever. It's just like, you know, um, do we need to get rid of the fossil fuel industry? Yes. Does that mm-hmm. mean that like a lot of people are going to lose their jobs and like have to transition over to like a totally new career path? Yes. And mm-hmm. that's not to say that we should do it. It's just to say that we should, you know, figure out, um, accommodations for those people so that mm. though so that those impacts are as are as uh easy to navigate as they possibly can be but you know there's there's always yeah. going to be uh yeah just like an unfair element like that even even with something that's like on the face of it pretty funny like mm. facebook is down and instagram's down and mark zuckerberg's opens his wallet and a little f- moth flies out mm. um you know because he's losing so much money right now but that's as you say, there are, yeah, there's like, there's people who use that to communicate with each other. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I hadn't really got into the WhatsApp thing until uh, this past year, but that's definitely what I use it for is for, you know, texting with people that aren't on Facebook, um, that it would cost money to call them or send them a text or whatever, just because they're international. So yeah. 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 yeah when, when my pet friends come and visit here and there, yeah, that's, and I'm, and I remember I've actually got <laughs> kind of like a work horror story that somebody who added me to a WhatsApp chat at an old job, and I don't know why, because it's not like we had like Microsoft Teams and all these other gazillion yeah. ways of, of communicating with each other. I'm not sure why that person did that. But then it did become abundantly clear why they did it one day when they, they sent me a message at 530 in the morning. Ah. Um, everything, everything else I had shut down. Um, so that it wouldn't make any noises on my phone and wake up my partner or anything. Somehow she knew, <laughs> I don't know if that was like her goal, but like it buzzed and made like an alarming noise. And like, I, I was in bed, but probably not sleeping cause I had insomnia cause I was worried anyway, but like mm. for fuck's sake, man, like, is it really that urgent? Like that you have to like go around my boundaries and like find a way to contact me. Come on. Um, yeah. So I, I don't really, I don't like WhatsApp. I don't know what it is about it. I don't like it. I've never really, I've, yeah, it's never really been a thing for me. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I, I understand that it's probably impacting people in ways that um, 
are not good. And like, for me, it's more like, how did this monopoly happen? Like, why was this allowed for this like organization to monopolize so many different things and create it so that this is the only way you can do something like that's supposed to be, there's supposed to be preventative measures for that shit. And people have been talking about it for decades, but they just were like, Oh, whatever, no big deal. They'll just like hoover up every small company that's doing something interesting. Like Instagram was way better before they got involved. And Mm -hmm. anyway, like it's just, um, yeah, you know, from a, from an ethical standpoint, like the whole thing is just garbage, like what they're doing to people and you know, and now, of course, this whistleblower who's like, who's come out, right? Like that she was on 60 Minutes last night and I haven't watched the interview, but. I don't know the story. Um, yeah. I've been, I haven't been following that one. Do you have a, a um, encapsulated just, version? Yeah, just like a, a, a very like kind of a top level is that um, she joined the organization because she wanted to help them create better ways to manage election misinformation. Mm-hmm. And then she mm-hmm. found out fairly quickly um, that her and her small team didn't have quite the agency that they thought they were going to have um, and that the changes that she wanted to implement weren't actually happening and that it is indeed always about the money and the more hate and more misinformation there is the more money is coming in the door and she did say that pretty much every Facebook employee of a certain kind of level knows all this this is not hidden information um, and that she is actually out there trying to let people know um not because it's that she hates it so much, it's that she just wants people to understand um, like what's really kind of going on behind the scenes because they have been gaslighting people for a long time, the general public, about, oh, we can't do that because of this, that, and whatever. They absolutely can do it. They're choosing not to because there's more money at coming mm-hmm. in the door when they don't. Um, so she's apparently testifying before Congress this week. Wow. Which I think is quite interesting that, and of course, so a lot of people on Twitter are like, well, of course it went down. They're just like scrubbing all this, like the bad stuff off their Uh, servers, right? right? Because now they're going to get hauled up to actually like become accountable. And that will be like, well, no, that's gone. And we were really trying or whatever, like, and that was the first thing I saw, thought before I even saw the Twitter stuff, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I guess they're just kind of, yeah, just burying the evidence. Hiding the evidence, so to speak. That's funny because like I am usually, especially in the kind of corporate world, I have such an espionage and conspiracy minded brain. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that of like, yeah, they're using this opportunity to like, you know, scrub whatever wrongdoing. I didn't even think about that. I guess I'm I'm losing my edge in my old age. (laughs) Well, yeah, because there are apparently certain staff members, like even their fob, their fob keys aren't working to get into certain buildings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to explain this to Osvaldo, like even way back in the day when you and I worked together, whenever there was a major change to the website, sometimes it would go down, right? Whenever there was new information coming in, like whatever there was something happening, that was when outages would happen. And so that's why I think like, as part of what's going on is that they, they, I, they could actually, they could be wiping out information and they could also be perhaps trying to implement some of these things they've been talking about not being able mm. to do for years, like maybe some more safety measures, uh, you know, some anti-hate algorithms or whatever. Um, yeah, so it, it, it does fascinate me, but it's also like, you know, you could have been doing the right thing from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and she's also said like they, they knew about the Capitol riots and they didn't do anything to shut down that misinformation at all. Um, so, you know, they're being assholes. There's really no, no there. <laughs> yeah, the, the Facebook is a bad actor. It doesn't have to get any more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny that it wasn't really what our you know kind of topic of conversation is today. But I guess it's just kind of top of mind that like there's so many there's so many ways for our ADHD brains um, to get addicted to things um, mm-hmm. to be to kind of fuse with technology, right? And you know, it's fairly well known. Like when Facebook came out. Like I got really addicted to it, even though I resisted it and I hated it in the beginning. When I got into it, I was like, oh, this is like nothing I've seen before. And then I was fucking stuck and it was really hard for me to get off it. And I tried twice before I got off it for good in 2014. Um, But I think when you have this kind of brain that's like wired to seek dopamine because we don't have enough of it. And they make these things that are just like little fake dopamine hits over and over and over again. Of course, we're going to consume them. And of course, we're like their number one, you know, target 
Because we're yep. like beyond that shit all the time, arguing with people, whatever, right? <laughs> so before we get off the social media subject entirely, um, mm. I was I haven't been on Instagram for a little bit, and then I went in to log in yesterday, and I got this kind of, um, you know, uh, hey, it looks like there's suspicious activity on your account, and I get that once in a while if I've like logged in from my phone and then from my computer in the same day or whatnot. It's oh. really finicky and annoying about it. But um, this time, uh, basically, every other time I've just had to send myself a verification email to get back in my account, and that's been fine. Um, this time around, they want me to scan my face. They want me to, to hold my phone in front of my face and sort of do like a left-to-right panoramic what? sweep of, of, of my face to verify my identity and get back into my account. And I'm really, I haven't done it yet because I'm really kind of fucked up about it um, mm -hmm. because I'm just like, wait, you want me to what? Like I, I am so, um, yeah, I, I just, I don't do any biometric stuff. I don't do fingerprint security. I don't do face stuff. Like I, that's just not, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with it. I don't like it. And mm. especially given how. We, we've seen in the past Instagram and Facebook get hacked. Like they can they can mm -hmm. make these guarantees about like, oh, well, it's only to verify and we're not going to keep this and it gets deleted after 30 days. But what if it gets hacked on day 16 before it's been deleted? And then like, yeah. you know, somebody's got that, right? And again, not that I'm some big target, um, but I just, I just, I'm really uncomfortable and uneasy with it. So I really haven't mm. decided how I'm going to navigate that yet. But then the flip of that question though, is that I was like, well, what the fuck though, man? Like your Facebook is pictures or your, your Instagram, excuse me, rather is, is pictures of you and your face is right there. Like yeah. the app already knows what you look like. So is there really this extra bit of harm in doing that step of verification? But it just, like I said, I've, I've only ever with, with any app, uh, before in the past just had to deal with like either it texts your phone a number to get back into your account mm -hmm. or it sends you an email never any sort of biometric shit so that was like a real a real paradigm shift uh, in my mm -hmm. line of thinking and I'm not I'm not happy about it <laughs> I don't blame you because that is alarming and I think that happened actually at my old job because I would log in um, to kind of a dummy account to manage uh, the the social channels and at one point they were trying to get me to upload a photo or something, but that would have buggered everything up because there was like multiple people, including right. like, you know, all, all kinds of people were logging into that account. And that's probably why they were trying to get that to happen. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, it just it made me really nervous. And it's just like, I, like my heart goes out to anybody working, you know, in nonprofit marketing or anything like that, where so much of their, um, their messaging goes through those channels. And that's why, like, even people like Renee Brooks are like, couldn't have started that email list like soon enough, right? Like mm -hmm. she's like, you know, like been doing that for, for some time. And people have been saying that for years. Like it's rented land and, yep. you, and you can be evicted any old time that they decide, right? Especially a lot of social justice warriors that I see that are getting shadow banned um, because they're talking in ways that make people uncomfortable, you know, mm. indigenous leaders and, you know, black folks and everything. And it's just like, yeah, these companies have taken on way too much power. <laughs> um, so it's time to take the power back, make it about community. And, <laughs> you know, um, one of the things that I saw today, and it was Adam Grant, of all people, who co-wrote a book with Sheryl Sandberg, who's like a problematic twat. Mm -hmm. But like, sorry, I just said twat. I haven't used that word in a long time. Where'd that come from? Anyway. It's um, your, uh, your English roots showing through. <laughs> So, um, but something that he said that I thought was really valid on it, on LinkedIn, of course, was that your contribution is not the scope of your reach. It's the depth of your impact. Mm. And, mm. I, and I think that's very true. And I think um, even, you know, you and I having this conversation and the, the messages that we're getting, the emails, um, those are genuine um those feel more important to me than, than likes or comments. Mm -hmm. And because I know it's a real person, I know this is somebody who's struggled with the similar things that you and I struggle with, you know, you know, all the things that go along with ADHD. Um, so I think that while all this kind of twisty, weird shit's like happening out there, it's like, oh yeah, meanwhile, we can just be having conversations, you and I on our podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> and um, the algorithms have nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or at least uh, not not Facebook and Instagram. Right. There's other I'm algorithms sure. at play here. I yeah. Sure know that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they don't they don't at least seem to um, maybe have as much of an impact. Because uh, what what I don't like about algorithmic sort is that you know it's like um, it prioritizes certain things at the expense of others. I would way rather have just like a customizable sort with like, you know, some just common things. I want to see the most recent stuff. I want to see the Mm. most popular things that people have posted. I want to see the Mm. content that has the most comments, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, But not this kind of like mix of all of them and you don't know how it works and you don't have any input into changing how it displays. Um, That kind of stuff is frustrating. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of taking the power back, uh, <laughs> so this month is ADHD Awareness Month, as uh, our listeners probably some of them know. And so today, uh, Robbie and I are going to be talking about this idea of awareness um, and, and kind of, you know, what is awareness? Uh, does awareness change things? What are the limitations of awareness? Um, mm-hmm. You know, all of that kind of stuff. How do, do, Does awareness help us take the power back? Or is awareness just kind of like a band-aid that, uh, that we put mm-hmm. on to make our boo-boo feel better while, you know, it festers underneath? I don't know. <laughs> Our boo-boo feel better while it festers underneath. Such a way with words, Jordan. (laughs) Um, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I mean, for me, I haven't fully decided on those questions yet. I'm still living in those questions. I I realized the other day that it's going to be a year since my discovery in November. So it's coming up. um, and, And awareness for me in the beginning certainly was a tremendous relief. Like I, I feel like I exhaled. I understood for the first time that so many of the things in my life that had happened weren't due to lack of character or discipline on my part, that they were more about, um, kind of hardware and how my brain is structured and the, the ways that I seek to cope with that. Um, so having that awareness, like from the jump for me has meant that I could, open up new ways of thinking about things. It's meant, it's, it's meant a stronger connection with my mom. Um, it's deepened our, our relationship in ways that I didn't know were possible. She's told me things about her and her life, um, that I, that I just, I completely treasure. Right. Um, so that awareness has, um, yeah, it's opened up things that I wasn't expecting. It's helped my partner to understand why I have such a hard time sitting still when he's talking. Um, it's, you know, it's helped him understand like why my career has, has, um, just been such a a squiggly mess. Um, why, um, yeah, why I get so upset by feedback. Why, when somebody doesn't answer a message or something, I feel as though my world is, you know, falling out from underneath me. So that the, the awareness for me has, um, has been, and I'll, I'll never use the term gift. It's just like, it's, it's, it's just helped me to kind of understand more of why I am the way that I am. And I'm sure we're going to get into this too. I don't want it to mean that it defines me per se. Um, but I'm also not of the, um, you know, of the, the click, however you want to call it, of folks that think it's a superpower. I'm like somewhere in between. Um, and yeah, I, I'd also like to hear your thoughts too, because sometimes like these awareness months, are just a little bit much and they're, they're more an opportunity for people to kind of, you know, slap up some performative content on their social media channels when those websites are working. Um, but then not really actually try to really understand what it means, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I've got, I've got a lot of thoughts about this stuff. Um, like mm. you, I really sit in the ambiguity of these questions a lot um, because, you know, so I guess I guess I'll, I'll kind of talk about two different things um, as a way of kind of illustrating my thoughts on the um, limitations of, of uh, uh, awareness. So like you, um, this ADHD awareness um, has helped me enormously uh, because, you know, I went through the first 38 years of my life not knowing that this was the case. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had been more aware of what the... Um, 
internal experience of an ADHD person looks like or how um, uh, inattentive type ADHD presents, maybe I would have known about this stuff sooner. Maybe I could have got the help that I needed sooner, um, you know, but, uh, but, but it's, it's, I, I didn't and it's there. And so I'm glad mm -hmm. that, that there are people, you know, talking about this and, and writing books about their experiences and doing blogs or Twitter accounts or podcasts or whatever, kind of talking about this because yeah, that, that awareness did help me a lot. Um, mm. and I think that that's, that kind of stuff, um, it does help. It helps on an individual level, basically, um, is, is kind of what I think about it. Cause you were talking about your relationship with your family's change. So is mine a lot. Um, you know, uh, we can now kind of see like the thread of ADHD, um, or suspected at least, uh, running through a lot of my family. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so that's, that's been really, uh, helpful, not only to help me and other people understand themselves, but to understand each other, all the kind of stuff that you were talking about, like, geez, why did, uh, why did Jordan fly off the handle when I said that his hat looked silly? Like, <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. Um, and it's just like, well, this, that's why, like, here's, here's the emotional dysregulation components. Here's mm. the addiction components. Here's the lack of focus components. And, and so there's all these, these elements of myself that I understand and the people close to me understand better. And so that, that I'm super grateful for. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, um, let's talk about environmental awareness. Uh, I remember being in the second grade or something and putting a lot of effort into writing a rap song about how, you know, we should recycle and ride our bicycles everywhere. And yet the world just kept getting worse for some reason. <laughs> I was fully aware of what we were doing to the environment back in the, in the late eighties, early nineties, whatever that was. Mm. So were everyone around me. So were all the adults in the room, but that awareness, unfortunately, if it doesn't, it, it's, it's, I brought up the, it has, it has the ability to affect individual change really well. I feel like in the ADHD example, structural change, totally different. Mm. Uh, I feel like it's, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say that like awareness is, is a like lost cause or futile in dealing with this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. but we're not in any better position than we were, you know, when, when say, uh, CFCs and the ozone layer were like the big talk. Like we kind yeah. of dealt with that one thing, but we knew about global warming. We knew about climate change. We knew about all this other stuff. And because it was very, very profitable to ignore that stuff for a long time, uh, nothing got done about it. Um, you know, mm. the, the people in charge of these corporations didn't do anything about it. The politicians, a lot of them in the pocket of those same corporations didn't do anything about it. And so again, that's where, um, awareness can just seem like, um, like, yeah, uh, it's, this is a phrase that I'm not, I feel mixed about, but it, it seems like virtue signaling. Yeah. Um, and, and I say that I'm uneasy about that phrase because it is such a right wing talking point about like social justice and blah, blah, blah. But I think it actually is a very useful phrase for, um, kind of what I would call like performative allyship, performative mm -hmm. politics, all that kind of stuff where it's like, you're saying the right thing and, and you know how to create this message about yourself while not actually working on any of it. You're not really doing anything to kind of change any of this stuff, but like mm. you're aware of it. And that's like, that's, isn't that great for you that like, isn't it great that as a white man, I'm aware of like intersectional racism and how like, <laughs> Uh, uh, gender and race and disability, all of those things uh, intersect and, and are on their own axes and blah, blah, blah. And like, I get a big pat on the back for knowing that. Mm. But like, have I, have I really concretely done much to change any of that? Not really. Um, I'm a person with privilege, but I'm not a person with power. Uh, and, and so I think that, you know, the, the, the kind of the pipeline of awareness to change that I kind of see in my head that I think that other people see in my head is what you and I are talking about of like mm. these, we have these individualistic or, or rather not individual, <laughs> we have these one-to-one -one relationships in our life with our family or friends. And those are things where 
you can have, it, it may take a while, but you can have a discussion with someone and get them to change their mind eventually about, you know, uh, uh, politics, about things like, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have changed their mind about how they feel about gay people. And that's, I have to assume, not necessarily because of mass media and things, but from meeting people in your life that fit these boxes mm. and kind of getting that understanding. And that's that's that kind of individual awareness, right? But yeah, yeah I just, I'm, I'm very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, hmm, very skeptical, I guess. Mm. I'm looking for a stronger word than skeptical, but I'm, I'm skeptical of the... Yeah, reticence, maybe mm. too far. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm skeptical of the... Um, the ability of awareness to affect change on these kinds of yeah. structural issues. So, you know, like, mm. well, and again, so, so where the two kind of overlap is, so say for, for both of us, we have these understandings of ourselves better and our families and friends have these understandings of ourselves that are better. Um, but on the other hand, you know, we both left our jobs for um, structural issues like like we weren't being accommodated for the the actual structure of that corporation wasn't accommodating us mm -hmm. so nothing has changed on that front still like yeah. you know you and i are still dealing with that when we go looking for work or whatever mm -hmm. um and hopefully we're able to kind of get ahead of it in a way that we can find a place that we fit and say hey here's these things that we need and the place says okay awesome yeah that's great we can do that for you but you know that's that's not necessarily the uh, typical road so yeah Oh, God, that's so well said. And yeah, that that is um, a lot of what I was thinking when we started when we when we talked about this just over text yesterday that, you know, these awareness months, um, you know, supposedly, they're supposed to be about, if you know better, you do better, right? Like, if you're aware that there are so many folks with ADHD out there who are struggling in office environments, who are struggling with even the concept of having to go back to an office after being able to work really well from home after the last, you know, 18 months or whatever it is. Um, but those systems are like, well, no, it's fine. We're going back to normal now because that's what everybody else wants and screw you. But, you know, here's a picture of a squirrel. Is that enough? Like, I don't know. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. I am being a little bit uh, glib about it, but um, it, it does, it challenges me right to the core because there's so many ways that work has been done traditionally that are harmful, not just to ADHD brains, but to people in general, right? That are just like kind of in inhumane, um, you know, clocking in and keystroking and, you know, all these different things where you're kind of constantly monitoring people. And yeah, I do get a little bit disheartened when I find um, a job that I know I'd be good at doing, um, but the, the insistence is that you be in the office all day or the insistence is... Um, there was one at SFU. I know I'd be really good at that gig, but it says right in the thing, I must I must be able to tolerate frequent interruptions, ambiguity, long meetings, all the things that for me um, make it really difficult for me to kind of like recollect myself after being completely drained in a windowless boardroom for two hours to come out of that and then try to produce something is virtually impossible for me. I can't just kind of, I can't just summon it. I can't snap my yeah. fingers after like all the dopamine has left my being. Like I'm done for the day. <laughs> like There's nothing else I can do. Right. So yeah, it has, it has really been challenging me uh, these last few days. And then, and then the idea too, that I, when I get excited, I overshare sometimes and I, and I, you know, somebody says, hey, like, we're thinking of bringing you in to do this thing. And then I go, blah, you know, like, hugging, and I love you. And then they go, holy fuck, man, like, that's not what we meant, right? Like, maybe that is kind of what happened with that project that went sideways, because they were <laughs> like, hey, send us a little bit more about yourself, like your website. So I was like, there's this podcast that I do, and here's all these other things. And then I was like, oh, God, our podcast has an expletive in the title. If they work in education, that probably scared the crap out of them. So they went running for the hills. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally um, speculating. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound correct to me, but continue. Yeah, I know. It's just like, um, we were talking about this yesterday, how I make up these wild stories sometimes. And and like, like it is like, I think that's one of the things I really actually like about myself is my storytelling capacity and like, you know, creativity mm -hmm. and stuff. But like, when we think of things like, like, it, okay, so it's ADHD Awareness Month. What does that mean? Okay, well... It means like when I hop onto Twitter, I'm almost immediately overwhelmed, even though I've muted a lot of this stuff, because it's just like, 
so many people talking about it. Um, and then, and then there's these kind of camps of like, I saw something this morning that somebody was like, I got ADHD and I'm fine. Get back to work. And it's just some asshole, right? And it's just like, fuck off. Like, you know, you know, you're not fine. If you were fine, you wouldn't feel the need to like bug people online and like say that stuff. You're, you're suffering, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah. Uh, and, th- and then of course, you know, people use it as an opportunity to, um, Oh, what's the word? I don't want to say monetize because everybody deserves to earn a living no matter what they're doing. Well, unless they're hurting people. <laughs> I'm talking in circles a little bit. I don't know. That's okay. Yeah. Um, did you mean like grandstand or something like that? Maybe that's the word, grandstanding a little bit. Um, and I think one of the things that overwhelmed me, it was like, like there was almost like a calendar of like, day one, you talk about this. Day two, you talk about this. Day, and I was like, oh my God, like, No. like there's a part of me that like says a hard no to that because I do get overwhelmed in uh, Twitter communities um, that are already sort of well-established and they've been well-established for a long time. It's equivalent to me of walking into a small town dance and not knowing anybody. And and I'm the kid wearing all the shit that you're like, nobody else has seen before. And I smell like hay and they don't want anything (laughs) to do with me. Right. So it's like, that's what I feel like when I even look at those. And And I'm not saying that they don't help people. I'm sure they do. But I just totally feel like an outsider in those situations. Um, so they're, 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 in a way, I feel like it's good because they, they're getting the algorithms amped to talk about this stuff. Um, so awareness, like back to your point earlier, it's good to be aware on one-to-one and in relationships. But if the systems are not changing, then that doesn't help that much because people are still going to be stuck trying to earn money in ways that cause them harm. Right. Yeah, like the the kind of the, the scenario that I feel like is is the best case is that some of these individuals who, you know, you can help them get that understanding through whatever awareness looks like. Hopefully someday some of those people have their hands on the levers of power and can make these concrete structural changes because, mm-hmm. oh, we got finally got someone in this position that understands it. Um, but you know, there's kind of a twofold problem there is that number one, you're expecting, yeah, it, it just kind of, it, it takes your own agency away to a certain degree because mm. you're kind of hoping that, that someone else will basically solve your problem for you in a way. Um, and then the other part of it though, is that like, oh shit, fuck, what was the other part of it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one sec here. Um, what the hell were we just talking about? I'm literally completely blank right now. Uh, well, the way that uh, employment structures cause harm to people. Right. That- so so we want we want people that uh, are individual change beyond the blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck, I don't remember what I was segueing into. It's gone now. Huh. <laughs> um, okay. Well, onwards. <laughs> Maybe it'll come back, right? Like, Yeah, hopefully it will. It'll, hopefully. It'll get sparked by something else. But yeah, I think it's... Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's great that this is happening, that people are having these conversations more than anything. Like, because my whole jam is I just want to, like, get rid of all the stigmas around this stuff, you know, because there's people I know um, who are also ADHD who would rather die than have their employer know. They don't want the people they're working for to know this because they're, they fear it, you know, that they'll be considered more fallible or disposable or whatever it is. Ugh. Um yeah, I know there's been a lot of, you know, kind of back and forth on Twitter this morning and yesterday too about like, well, what, what were some really great gigs that you had that really, um, that really, that your brain really embraced. So maybe that'd be a good thing for us to chat about mm. because, um, there have been a, a few times in my life that I've been doing work that really felt good for me. Um, but those have been so rare. Yeah. Um, well, I remembered my thing, so maybe we can move into that in a sec. Sure. Um, so the other part of what I wanted to say is that um, there's also a, a double kind of alienation effect on individuals with this awareness stuff because, you know, um, 
the it, there's a very low likelihood that the actual structural issues that impact your life will change as a result of this kind of increased awareness. Mm. But then the other part of it that we haven't touched on yet is um, it often requires people to give of themselves in that way where they're sharing their pain, they're sharing their mm. trauma, they're sharing their their uh, trials and tribulations. They they have to in, in order to kind of get people to kind of relate to what they're talking about and hopefully get uh, people to take this stuff seriously, you have to put yourself out there or else you're relying on somebody else to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's, yeah, there, there, there's this, this structural imbalance right in the start, right from the start, excuse me, where, you know, before you can even open up the discussion of like, you know, what what does structural change look like to accommodate this? You have to kind of lay your soul bare and be like, here's all the ways in which I'm, you know, I feel like I'm deficient next to a neurotypical person. Mm. Um, and, and that's kind of like that. That's the first the first step, you know, and this is this is true with um, sexism, uh, uh, sex assault, race, uh, you know, um, racism, all this kind of stuff is mm. that the 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 awareness component of it for people who need to make those changes people that either aren't aware of how they're kind of complicit in these systems or whatever it, it almost always requires uh an, an oppressed person to um stick their neck up yeah. so to speak yeah i have been hearing about that too this idea that oh we're gonna have like an awareness day at the office and you'll get to share all about the ways that you're traumatized right it's like ah, like that is horrifying to me um, that the people that are already kind of suffering from this are the ones that have to continually ask for like basic human rights in some ways, you know, mm -hmm. and um, even like, you know, I've heard like a lot of these kind of like diversity and inclusion specialists will, you know, be flown in and like they'll have an afternoon or whatever. And then, you know, they'll sit all the senior management at one table and like everybody else, nobody changes in those days. Nobody changes their perspective that you just don't, done something super performative somebody made some money uh and everybody just goes back to their computer and keeps doing the same thing that they were doing before like that that's not helpful and it's not helpful to have somebody who is already struggling and in pain get up and, and like amplify their pain for your benefit why don't you just ask them and listen you don't need a performance like you just need like to ask them directly in a private held safe space what they need and then just make that the way it goes instead of like, yeah, like inviting people to do these like, you know, little awareness seminars in the middle of the day or whatever. And like, I don't know. Yeah. So much of the corporate world just is not designed for, um, for compassion, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, mm -hmm. A lot of that stuff, those, those DNI seminars and things. Um, so much of that, unfortunately, is just, it's ticking a box for HR and legal so that they can say, well, our, our C team has had this training. So, you know, they've, they've got that in their corner. If, if somebody comes to HR and says, you know, I'm experiencing this kind of uh, problem at work, mm -hmm. uh, they can say, oh, no, well, actually, we don't have a, 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 a you know, whatever a homophobia problem here at, at Acme because all well, our C-suite did the uh, DNI training. So don't know what to tell you, kid. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And he's got a little badge on his LinkedIn page. So that yeah, exactly, must be real. Exactly. <laughs> so sorry, where were you going to steer this before? Oh, I was just curious if you've ever been in a situation like a work situation where you felt like it was ideal, where you felt like it stimulated sure. you and yeah. Yeah, I was I was very happy in my in my job at Getty and iStock for a long time. Um, mm. You know that that is uh, just just it's it was the job was primarily working with and organizing and categorizing information, and that's like my brain loves that shit. My brain loves deciding. Um, okay, well we've got this new concept, and and where in the hierarchy of all information that has ever existed does this concept fit? Uh, I like doing that kind of stuff. Um, mm problem solving, doing a lot of like the kind of automated keywording stuff. Uh, the last couple of years of my job, even though they were tough, um, I was working primarily with fashion content. So that was really interesting for mm. me getting to check out all the new editorial stuff every day. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot of things I liked about that gig. Um, I've, I talked about this a little bit on the show before too, but, um, mm. I also enjoyed, uh, the summer I spent digging ditches, uh, mm. for irrigation, not a golf course. Um, they were installing a new sprinkler system. And so, yeah, that was just like, 
okay, here's your shovel and the ditch has got to be over Mm. there before you go home today. And it's like, awesome. I get to put my Walkman on. It still was a cassette Walkman at that time. Mm. Um, And, uh, (laughs) you know, just just kind of like dig this shit up. Um, And and that's what my day was. And it was, you know, just me and my thoughts and my music and a lot of uh, sweat. So, Mm. (laughs) Um, yeah, I really enjoyed. uh, I used to work at a coffee shop after high school. Um, really enjoyed that. It was in the BMO building. Um, so we got a lot of regular clientele from the bank and also from a law firm that was a couple of floors up. And yeah, and so, you know, I, I met, I did a little bit of soft networking that way and met some people that I'm still in touch with. And mm. um, and it's, yeah, it was just a very, it was satisfying because I got to interact with a lot of people over the course of a day, mm-hmm. um, you know, and even if shit really went downhill, like even if it was like the most dire problems in the world like the most dire problems in the world at at a cafe are still like a lot less stressful than some of the shit i dealt with in my other jobs right Mm -hmm. so um yeah i didn't even mind working at mcdonald's when i worked there wow i got to i got employee of the month twice in 10 months so i guess that means (laughs) i must have been doing something right so (laughs) oh my god i can totally see you with the little visor now absolutely smiles are free (laughs) how about you um I, I kind of struggling with this question and I hadn't actually thought it through before I asked it, mm. but, um, so I guess there's a few different jobs that I've done that I've really enjoyed. Uh, the early days of working at iStock, I really enjoyed, uh, because of that sense of community and getting to know people and seeing, uh, the height of creativity of what a lot of the photographers were doing, the illustrators, uh, when video came on, there's really cool stuff happening there. Um, and the events were, um, they were fun, but they were also exhausting because they were really long days. Um, yeah. But, you know, going to Austin, uh, going to France, things like that, uh, they were they were stimulating to the point of, of, like, overwhelm and fatigue for me. And I didn't realize that until after many years later, like, how that affected <laughs> me. But um, at the time, I was exhilarated, you know, like, it, it, it was enjoyable for me. Um, the creativity and the community and the difference of every day um, – were really were really great for a while. Um, when I did photography for a while, that was really cool. I mean, that was like on a freelance basis. Uh, but those micro essays that I used to do uh, for Sword Magazine, you know, where I would go to someone's home or I would go to their art studio and I would tell their story in a series of pictures and like a 500 word, basically an extended caption, right? They were very much yeah. like visual stories. I really enjoyed that because of the people that I got to meet and got to know as a result of that. Um, and I know I'm doing this thing with my shoulders. It's like one of my little stems to try to like think, um, Mm. uh, for listeners that can't see me, I do this thing sometimes where I kind of like poke on my shoulders and for some reason it helps me to kind of jar things out of my brain. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so, so that was really great. And of course, freelance writing when it was consistent, when I wasn't constantly worried about rent and things like that, uh, when I was doing projects like the Calgary book of everything, where I was running around and talking to people from Calgary that were doing like really neat things in the community. I really enjoyed that. Uh, doing the, um, the fast forward art guide when I was editor for that, that was also like, it also kind of opened my eyes to more of the great work being done by the creative community. Um, and that's something I've always said as well. always gives me these sideways looks when I say like, no, Calgary's got an amazing arts community. It's kind of cocks his eyebrow, like really? And I'm like, no, for real. Like the people in Calgary's arts community are like tight, you know, um, and they look after each other and they, um, so those were things that I, I really, really enjoyed. Um, and you know, since I've moved to Vancouver, I have to say actually something like the weird little gigs that I've done, like um, working as a brand ambassador, I forget. That should actually be on my resume because I did it for a couple of years. Like when I worked with, uh, it wasn't actually directly with Samsung. It was like Sugar Media. When I was showing people how to use their phones, like when a new phone would come out, you know, like the Samsung had that, that little pen. I don't know if they still do yeah. that. But uh, for some reason, I liked interacting with a lot of people during the day and it, learning the new technology of it, figuring out all these different things that it could do. Um kind of countering with people when they would sort of like come barging up to our little display and like tell me why this is better than an iphone or they'd like wave their iphone at me like fuck you and i'd be like okay i have an iphone too man it's all good like it's just yeah, kind of funny no skin off my ass <laughs> right? um yeah and so right now like when i'm i haven't actually started doing it yet but because i want to work more in community um more uh in solutions you know 
uh, I don't know exactly. I'm still kind of struggling with that. It's really weird because I thought communications would be a dream job for me. And I don't know if it's just that one organization that was terrible. Um, and if I were to try to do it somewhere else, if it would be different. Um, I'm still, I struggle with that day after day because it's like, I see a job and I'm like, ah, oh, I could do a lot of this. But if I have to sit in a meeting with three hours for the dean or with the dean because he's got some kind of emotional thing where he needs our support for three hours to fucking listen to him, I won't be able to cope. <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. It's tough with an ADHD brain to figure out work that um, isn't completely draining. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely, um, I've loved, of course, all of the various freelance ways I've got paid over the years too. Like, um, hmm. you know, in this last year I've got, uh, I've been teaching improv mm -hmm. online and in person. That's been fun. A little bit of money. Um, uh, I did that, uh, that audio production work that I was talking yeah. about. Lots of fun, a little bit of money, hopefully something I can, you know, dovetail into more of that stuff going forward. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I actually, so something that I did yesterday, um, uh, some friends, uh, that I know from the improv community do like this silent, uh, group. So they do all, all their scenes are just totally silent, no dialogue or anything. Cool. Um, and so they got a, a grant to do, um, a little bit of, of work and kind of come up with a new show. And so they brought me and another friend on as musicians. So mm. we're basically kind of soundtracking um, and inspiring their scenes with improvised music. Um, so that was a lot of fun yeah. to play with yesterday and got a small paycheck for it. And so, yeah, I'm just like, you know, trying to trying to do more of those things. And as I know, I've said on the show a million times, you know, hopefully cobble together a living out of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's uh, I, that's the thing is that like, I honestly think that I could be happy in most environments and most jobs. It just, it comes down to people and particularly the person who's managing me. Yeah. Like that's, that's so much of it is just like the environment and the people, the actual work of it is, is pretty secondary for me. I feel like I could mm. be happy, you know, mowing lawns all day. Um, if I worked with people that I liked and, and, you know, kind of had, uh, I wasn't so busy that I couldn't have a life or whatever too. Cause that's like, you know, another trap you can fall into mm -hmm. when you work too much at something that you do like, you know, it becomes your whole world. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I just like, I, yeah, I like a lot of stuff. A lot of things really, really stimulate me and mm -hmm. I find enjoyable. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, I, you, you either have to do them for eight hours straight, which can be a little bit tough mm -hmm. or, uh, or they just don't pay very well. Yeah. So. <laughs> And it's funny, you know, noticing today that IATSE in the U.S. voted to go on strike, like 98%, mm -hmm. which is like incredible for a union to vote that high. Um, first strike in their history. And wow. like one of the reasons, well, the reason, in fact, that it was, aside from the beauty that of Vancouver is that I moved here because I wanted to work in film. Yeah. But then I realized that I don't want to work 16 hours a day. Um, and I didn't want to work in production or what they call the service industry here in Vancouver. Um, because, because of the way that the hierarchies work, because lunch breaks are non-existent, you know, somebody walks around with hot dogs at 10 o'clock in the morning after you've already been on set for like five hours and everybody's starving. Um, I got yelled at for sitting down. Um, and like, the thing is like, I, I, I love film. I love it as a form of storytelling, but I really hate the way that they get made, um, in, in, more commercial productions, right? Yeah. And, and Vancouver's a hotbed for that. And I'm sure with IATSE being on strike in the States, things are going to get pretty heated around here. It's already really busy. Um, but I still wanted, I still want to do that kind of form of storytelling. And it, I feel like it could kind of emerge more in a documentary way because with documentaries, you know, you're gathering content over a longer period of time and then telling the story with it. Like some of the best documentaries like have like a long arc Right. It's just that you have to find ways to get funded throughout that process. Right. Um, yeah, that, that still really, and I, you know, I almost forgot about good pitch, which, um, has now is now called uh, story money impact, but you know, but what they were doing was they were bringing people together from across civil society to support social justice documentaries before they even had their final cut. Right. So you had these different, 
um, nonprofits and private groups coming in to say, okay, I really believe in what you're doing. And here's how we're going to support you by activating our community around this. And, and we're going to have a screening. Um, and then when it actually happens, then it, it's going to happen on a large scale. And one of the impact producers, Kat Dodds, she was involved as the impact producer on the first corporation film. And mm. as you know, that's like one of the most successful documentaries of all time. And she told the story of how they activated people, like how they were in San Francisco, they were at some conference and they were like talking to people on the street and stuff. Um, really exciting. I still love it. Like, and I still think that it's a really cool way to, um, to choose to make things. And like, and a lot of people that are getting involved with that are people that decided working in in fiction or in streaming or whatever was just too exhausting and they wanted to do something more meaningful. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I see those kinds of things, I do get really jazzed because I know I see what's possible. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, doing that, that uh, audio piece for program sound, I still want to do more of that kind of stuff too. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's so many, um, you know, if you're listening out there and there's like so many different ways to earn a living. Um, but I don't know, for my ADHD brain, it was, I just could never find that like kind of like corporate way, you know, the corporate stability that people, that's why people get into corporate yep. stability, right? That's why I did. I mean, I was freelancing full time before I joined iStock in 2006 because yeah, I just like, it was fun, but I needed, I needed a steadier paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And I think a lot of people are kind of gone through that this year. A lot of people you know, I don't have any stats. It would be interesting to even try to find them of like how many people discovered ADHD this year. And, you know, oh God, yeah. like when we, when we look at the demographics of our show and we're seeing that like it's 60% women are listening to us, that tells me that there's a lot of women because women, you know, were most impacted work-wise by this whole fucking pandemic. Right. And so if there was a lot of women that had to slow down for the first time in their lives and they realized that something was going on, maybe their kid got diagnosed or a friend or, or whatever it was, then there's something to be said. Like if there's that many people out there going through this, then like how can we create like collectively what we actually want, right? Instead of giving yeah. all the agency away, like you were saying, like giving it away to organizations and hoping they're going to behave well, because history has shown us they won't behave well. <laughs> I mean, we just we were talking at the top of the show about Facebook. They're not, mm -hmm. they, as long as there's like billions of dollars coming in the door, the fucks are zero as far as they, like, they don't care. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a really juicy topic to me, Jordan, like to talk yeah. about this stuff. And, you know, we could go on for a while about it. It's just, I just really want for everyone to be able to earn well and live well on their own terms and to feel respected, to have a sense of dignity, to know that their creativity is embraced, to know that their unique brain is actually a strong thing. And that, you know, just because you can't sit through the ordeal of a two-hour meeting does not make you a bad person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I think that you've, yeah, you, you've exactly nailed it, though, is, is yeah, it's, it's th there is so many people who have discovered things like ADHD, autism, these kinds of things in lockdown the last year because, you know, people's support systems and routines have been just completely thrown out of whack. Mm -hmm. um, this was actually a discussion I was having like two hours ago with my stepmom. We went out for lunch. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and so uh, so um, I, you know, obviously it's, it's kind of an absurd idea, but maybe like the way they have IATSE and we see the power of collective action there, uh, we need like the IADHID uh, the, the, the International Association of ADHD people. And we can all collectively withhold our labor and go on like an ADHD strike until we're given the right to work from home twice a week and mm -hmm. uh, the right to turn our camera off during Zoom meetings and right. whatever we decide that our, that our demands are for our new international brotherhood. Oh. Um, not in a sexist way, in a union way. Right. I love that. And you know what's so interesting is like this class I'm taking around uh, this course around community capacity building. It's three hours in the morning, right? And the last one, I had a wicked case of insomnia the night before, so mm. I could barely even cope. Um, and I realized that I'm just going to have to tell them I'm turning my camera off instead of asking if that's okay, because that's an accessibility thing for me. Because when I'm not tired and I feel like I'm going to like hit my head on the desk, like I need to be able to like not have to be performing 
right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how I'd be able to do that in person right now. I'm not ready. Like, I just saw something on CBC this morning that there's a lot of folks out there that are like, mm-mm, no, I'm, I don't want to do social things that involve a lot of people. I don't want to commute two hours a day. I don't want to be on a bus. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a show coming up that I really want to see. One of my favorite DJs is playing in October, but I just like... I, I, I am even double vaxxed, all the mm. precautions, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I just can't be in a sweaty nightclub <laughs> uh, with a bunch of people dancing right now. Like that, I would love more than anything to be in a sweaty nightclub dancing if that was, uh, uh, the, if that was doable in a safe way. Mm. But it's just, it's just not right now. So, you know, that's, that's too bad, but it is what it is. Right. Um, there was something I was going to say uh, about... The International ADHD Brotherhood, uh, whatever we've called it, I forget. I anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Ah, uh, uh, well, it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We're kind of coming up to the fifty-five minute mark here. Yes. How was your week? <laughs> we haven't caught up yet. Um. Uh, how is it? Uh, the weekend was good. We went over to my old neighborhood um, off the drive, and I haven't been there since well before the pandemic. Um, I was a little bit shocked that there's so many little bougie cafes and like succulent stores that like never (laughs) used to be there. And it just, they just seem so weird. Um, But it's interesting, like, because it it is definitely a more culturally diverse neighborhood, for sure. You, You see more people of color there. The streets are a bit wider. There's a vibrancy there that doesn't happen in Kitsilano. Kitsilano is just very, like, um, it's just gentrified. It's like, it just is the gentry walking around, right? So it's just like, it's a completely different um, flavor and temperature. And uh, in some ways, I was feeling a bit nostalgic for that. Um, we just happened to cross a powwow that was happening in behind the community mm, center. Wow. And they invited us in. And, um, and uh, you know, so we had some bannock and soup and... Awesome, beautiful music, beautiful, incredible singing. And I have never, I might even get weepy, like heard Amazing Grace sung in that way before. Like it Mm. was just, yeah, so moving. And we had a really good conversation with one of the elders about the sort of the community planning that they're doing and or that the city is kind of doing because they're kind of restructuring that part of the neighborhood and how that's going to look. Renaming... um, that little area, which is called Britannia, and which is deeply problematic on so many levels. Um, so, well, look at the province itself, right? <laughs> right, I know. Um, so it was just really cool to have the conversations about, like, okay, so housing is necessary, but um, this that that neighborhood is still kind of uh, park poor in a way. Like, mm. like where we are, it's 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 like it's obscene. Like, there's like ten parks here. You know, um, and that's not even including the waterfront park. Like, there's just so many parks and playgrounds and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and that neighborhood is even more densely populated. And there's so few parks and so few areas of refuge for people to go when it's hot. And um, but yeah, it was just uh, it was really good um, to to feel that kind of connection. I felt like my heart was really full um, having those conversations and just kind of spontaneously talking to people like that. Um, yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, what about you? Nice. Yeah, it was good. I was uh, I was in Dusty's boot camp again uh. Uh, this past weekend, so that was good. Um, busy, but you know, I, I certainly learned a lot, and I've got a lot that I'm gonna kind of take away and, and implement or have already. Mm. Um, and then, uh, like I said, I was doing played some music with people for the first time in a while yesterday, which was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been, you know, it's, it's up and down as it ever was, but it's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's been pretty good lately. Um, yeah, just trying to kind of, uh, hope that there's an, an end in sight for all of this, uh, craziness happening in Alberta. Mm, I'm so sorry, Jordan. Yeah, we'll see. I know. I see the news (laughs) and I'm like, oh, criminy. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you know, I've, I've, I'm very, very fortunate that, uh, I 
it, it really doesn't impact me that much other than like, oh, I don't get to go dancing. <laughs> brr, brr, brr. Like it's really, I lead a pretty cushy, insulated life um, as mm. far as like, you know, limiting my exposure to that stuff. So I'm certainly grateful for that. Mm. Um, but yeah, do I wish it was not this way? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Yeah, there's some, it's, um, when it comes to kind of the emotional side of all this too, yeah, I really feel like, I was kind of awkward before, or maybe I perceived myself as being more awkward than I am, but now I'm so awkward, like, <laughs> like even more so, like, and I just feel like socially, I mean, I'm, I'm too old now to do sweaty, dancey things anyway. I can't stay up past 930. I have to go get my insomnia in bed. I don't need to be around other people for that. Um, but yeah. Just feeling like, like Viv, for example, usually that's the thing that I would really enjoy going to the theater and seeing a film. But Mm -hmm. the idea of like walking the gauntlet of that atrium at the Van City Theater and having to talk to people that I can't fucking hear, I'm out. Like, I just, I don't want to do it, right? Um, So I don't even think we're going to bother with Viv this year. I'm still mad at them because they didn't capture their films online last year. I'm like, can you fucking kidding Mm. me? God, it's so easy to do it. Anyway, um, there we go. Having a little outrage again. Um, but, um, I would like to, to, I actually wrote the names down of, uh, so did I, oh my goodness. Did you do too? You, 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 you take it this week. Okay. So, um, we just, I'm just really excited because we want to say thank you to our patrons and we have some new ones this week. We have Carla and Thomas, and we also want to thank Lindsay, Dave, I don't have my glasses on, Jill, Paige, and Brianna. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much. And uh, yeah, Carla, like Lindsay, is another friend of mine. So thank you, Carla, for supporting the show. Thank you, Lindsay. And thank you to these wonderful people that I haven't met yet. Mm. Um, Yeah, it really does mean a lot to us. So yeah, cheers. Yeah, cheers indeed. And uh, we did update, or I did update, like, so that we've got that cool um, drawing that Susanna did. And I've written that essay. Did you give it a second read? I guess we should get that up there and see. Uh, yeah, I have not yet. Um, but yeah, thank you for, for putting that fan art up because I definitely forgot to do that. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Yeah. Well, it is a little bit sunny out, so I got to get my vitamin D while it's happening before the rains come back. Absolutely. Enjoy your, uh, yeah, you, you, you go out and get yourself some D Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. If you enjoyed, holy shit, I have ADHD. Subscribing to and reviewing it on your podcast platform of choice helps more neurodivergent folks find us, as does following and promoting the show on social media. A full list of platforms is on our Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash holy shit, I have ADHD. While you're there, why not leave us voicemail? You can also share your thoughts on this episode or your own ADHD experiences with us at, you guessed it, holy shit, I have ADHD at gmail.com or via our social media pages in the episode notes. Bye for now, and hyper-focus on the positive.